0: for joining us. You're listening to Tank Talk with Integrity Environmental, where we speak with founder, principal consultant, and bulk fuel storage expert Shannon Oethers about regulations, safety, and useful tips for smooth sailing through the bulk fuel storage industry. Come learn the unique joys of work and life in Alaska with industry experts, including our team, vendors we work with, and companies we support. back, Shannon. Happy to have you here today. Your hair looks great. (laughs) Thank you. I just got it done today. I love that feeling when your hair looks as good as it's ever going to look. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I was tagging along on an inspection the other day, and they were mentioning floating roofs. What is that? How do we know when we need one? Oh, floating roofs. So floating roofs are a vapor control system that are used on bulk fuel tanks. And they can be external or internal. But in Alaska, we very rarely see the external. And the reason for that is our, it's our environment. Uh, external floating roofs have to be kept free of snow and ice and other things. So as it suggests, an external floating roof is literally just the top of the tank. And there's no roof above it. An internal floating roof. The tank actually has a roof and then the internal floating roof is inside the tank and resting on top of the surface of the liquid within the tank. That sounds pretty mechanical. How does that stay up there? Well, physics again, you may remember physics from some of our other podcast topics. (laughs) Um, Typically, they're made from aluminum or some other lightweight material, and they float on top of the surface of whatever's inside the tank. Uh, Typically, we only see floating roofs on tanks that store flammable materials, so high vapor content material. And typically in Alaska, it's gasoline and aviation fuel. Those are the two highest vapor content fuel products that Bulk Fuel Storage Group store. So that's where we see most of these. Um, jet fuel and diesel, they're not flammable, they're combustible. And so they have a lower vapor point and they don't shed as much vapor. And so they, we, we often don't see floating roofs on those products unless the service of a tank has been changed from gasoline to diesel or aviation fuel to diesel. And then sometimes you'll see an internal floating roof on a product where you wouldn't normally see it on. But that, that's usually what happened is they converted the tank. What are common ways that these might fail? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> internal floating roofs are, they are a simple mechanism and it's a a large sheet uh, of aluminum that rests on top of the fuel. And then there's a seal around the edge and around all penetrations. And typically these penetrations are guide wires that go from the top of the tank to the bottom of the tank to keep the internal roof from rotating um, clockwise or counterclockwise inside the tank. And then also tanks have internal support columns for their exterior roof, and that typically is a penetration for that. And then around these sides of the tank are some sort of seal, and just like a French press, if you're familiar with the French press. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're all coffee lovers at <laughs> integrity. Um, those seals hug the side of the tank and, and float up and down with the liquid level, and so The floating roofs can have single seals or double seals. And going all the way back to your question about how do they fail, the most common things that we've seen is that they get hung up on the guide wires and they're no longer floating on the surface of the fuel. They're they're suspended or submerged because they're caught on the wire and the fuel overwhelms. The roof is immobile, so it can't float anymore. And so we see that. We also see the seals maybe fail in certain areas, either around a, there's there's ports for the guide wires in the center column, and sometimes the seals at those places fail, and fuel will come up and lay on top of the, the floating roof, and, and then, of course, you don't have a vapor seal, so you have vapor being produced. Um, and then we also see the side seals fail. Sometimes those will catch on the actual side of the tank, and the whole pan will just be a little crooked. You can tell it's not floating flat to the surface. There's an air gap, just just as if your French press gets cockeyed. <laughs> and it won't, won't go all the way down. So those are the most common things that we see. Because it's not easy to immediately tell if a floating roof is uh, doing well or not, there are inspection requirements for the floating roofs. Um, and some regulations, like air regulations, are very specific about how often these occur and uh, when they're required, how often do we need to get that checked out? There are two types of inspections for an internal floating roof. The first kind is an annual inspection performed by somebody knowledgeable in the operation of the tank, and that typically involves opening a hatchway big enough that you can visually inspect the surface of your the top surface of your floating roof with some kind of light source so that you can shine it around and what you're looking for during this annual inspection is you're verifying that it's not hung up on the guide wires you're verifying that there's no fuel on top of the pan you're verifying that it's still level and it's not hung up on the sides and then you're also looking and making sure that there's no damage to the seals you're not seeing like a bulge of seal material in certain areas indicating that it's about to fail although honestly I've I've read about that, but I have never seen the seal material (laughs) pop up (laughs) like that, but I've I've read about it. So I'll throw it in there. So those are annual and that's sort of like a real basic. And when we train people to do this, you know, with our clients, there's always like, I open a lid and I look in with the flashlight. I was like, yeah, but you're, it's pretty easy to see if they (laughs) failed if there's fuel all over the top or it's crooked or it's partially submerged and it's a simple inspection, but it is important. And then, there's official inspections by third parties. And in, in Alaska with these larger bulk fuel tanks, usually it's it's something that occurs during an API 653 internal inspection. And so the tank has been drained. It's been cleaned. These internal floating roofs actually have little legs on the bottom. <laughs> um, and they're, they're like the legs of a trampoline. You know how trampolines have little U-shaped oh, yeah. legs. They, it very much looks like the bottom of a very industrial trampoline. Um, And those legs can extend if you're lucky. If you're not, you may just be in a four foot workspace, but most of them have adjustable holes and you can actually lift the roof up to like a six foot workspace so you could stand underneath it. But I've totally done internal floating roof inspections on my knees because it was only a four-foot workspace. I oh, don't know. And so, uh, yeah, API 653 inspectors will go inside the tanks and they'll look at the bottom of the floating roof pan and they'll identify places where the aluminum sheeting has separated perhaps or got dents or or um, damage. They will also inspect the seals. And if you have double, if you have double seals, you have to inspect from the bottom and the top because there's two seals in there. And if you have a single seal, uh, typically it can only be inspected from the bottom because it's uh, because of how they're constructed. Um, and then most of these roofs have a little, uh, they have hatches in them you can open that are sealed and you can actually inspect the top surface of the internal floating roof by popping the hatch open and the inspector will get a little ladder if it's higher and, and look around. And uh, they document all of that in the API 653. And in Integrity's reports, we make it a pull-out appendix because these internal floating roof inspections are really important to people with air permits. If they have a PAEL or an ORL in place under 40 CFR Part 60... That internal floating roof inspection is important documentation showing you're meeting the requirements of the air program. Sometimes I've seen 653 inspectors put them into the text of the report and you can still use it, but you have to give the EPA or the state agency the entire report instead of just this pullout about the condition of the internal floating roof. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're pretty minimal. It's like like a visual checklist. It doesn't actually state all the pieces, parts. It might say, is it single, double? Is it functional? Yes or no? Ours goes into a little more depth because we're specifically designed it to meet the EPA regulations and the state <laughs> regulations. But again, it's in the report and you can you can pull it out. Um, but if you have the ability during the bid process to ask for that inspection to be performed as a standalone document, I would recommend it. It's a lot easier to to use if you're a facility that has some kind of air permitting. The cool thing about forty CFR 60 is that theoretically you would have to do an internal inspection of that floating roof by a third-party certified inspector mm-hmm. every five years. But if you're performing the annual inspections and you're documenting them, you can push that to 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And since it's expensive to take a tank down, clean it, get all the gunk out, and make it so that an inspector can go in and inspect – Uh, That's a real valuable thing to do. So these annual inspections that are being performed are a really important part of, one, maintaining the tank, but also extending the time between internal required inspections if you're part of an air permit. Which kind of tanks do need floating roofs? Well, not every tank, (laughs) although people who sell internal floating roofs may say something different. Uh, Typically, we see them on flammable liquid uh, tanks. And we also see them on tanks that are over a certain size. And that's related to the air regulations. Uh, again, 40 CFR Part 60. There's a specific subpart called KB. And air regulations are never easy. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll include some links to that section of uh, 40 CFR 60. But in subpart KB, if a tank is above a certain size, which for tanks during gasoline or aviation fuel If that would be over 75 cubic meters or roughly 18,900 gallons in size, which is most vertical tanks, you do need a floating roof. But sometimes the facility is older and it predates the EPA air regulations. And you can have something called grandfathering where a tank is not required to have the floating roof because it didn't have one and it existed before the regulations came into effect. But there's rules around that too. If that tank gets updated or modified or undergoes repairs that are worth a certain value, the EPA considers it a new tank and it has to meet current air regulations when you do that. So we do a lot of uh, consulting on capital improvement projects to make sure that we don't trip up on any of the EPA air regulations when we're fixing foundations and moving tanks from one location to another. Uh, especially those flammable liquid tanks. It can, it, it can be pretty tricky. If a tank is storing gasoline or aviation fuel and it's above 20,000 gallons in size and it's a vertical tank, so the internal floating roof typically is on those tanks that have the flammable um, materials inside. And there's, there are benefits to having an internal floating roof that are completely separate from air regulations, and that's that they prevent the loss of product on warm or hot days. So in Alaska, they're seen more as optional. But in places like Texas, every tank, including combustible tank material <laughs> tanks, have floating pans on them or external pans. And the reason is they're trying to avoid losing a certain percentage of product a day because the, the ambient air temperature is 110 for 12 hours of the day. Nice. <laughs> so Alaska doesn't have those kind of temperatures, but I can tell you on, t- on a tank that's storing gasoline on a 75-degree day... And it doesn't have a functioning pressure vac vent or a floating roof, you're losing a significant amount of product out of that tank. It's Mm. just you can feel and see the vapor gushing out of those vents. And so most people have at least a pressure vac vent on a flammable liquid to keep, you know, like it'll keep vapor in below a certain pressure. Um, And if they're in a warmer area, the internal floating roof completely eliminates most of that product loss. That's which is pretty cool, yeah, good money, right? yeah, the so they can pay for themselves over time. It's just in Alaska, our temperatures are so low that time's a little longer than maybe <laughs> in the other parts of the United States. If we're interested in learning more about floating roofs where where do we go? Where do we start? <laughs> you grab a French press <laughs> just kidding, um we'll include links to the the air regulations that subpart k b Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also go to internal floating roof manufacturers' websites and just learn more about how they work. And I like going to YouTube and Googling <laughs> floating roof and external floating roof. Some of the ladder systems for the external floating roofs are really cool to watch because <laughs> the ladders go up and down with the roof, and oh. they're very mechanical. And Thanks for asking about internal floating roofs. I think they're a really neat piece of a tank, and I know a lot of people don't understand why those annual inspections are so important. So I'm, I'm glad that we could talk about that. All right. <laughs> until next time. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Hi there, this is Shannon Olkers, and as the owner of Integrity Environmental, I wanted to take a minute here at the end of the podcast to make sure that you knew the following. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered legal or regulatory advice. We are not responsible for any losses, damages, or liabilities that may arise from the use of this podcast. This podcast is not intended to replace professional, regulatory, or legal advice, And the views expressed in this podcast may not be those of the host, that would be me, or Integrity Environmental. Thank you very much for listening. And if you do need professional regulatory advice, we'd be happy to help you uh, as part of our consulting services.